The underlying reason why we do change is for the people. We do it to help people get more inspired for the change. We do it in order for them to get confident with the change. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and they call me the Vibrant Coach, and I am here with Lada Hamilton. I am delighted to have her. She's coming from all the way across the world over into Australia. She lives in Sydney. I'm so glad to have her here. She is a change leadership and confidence expert. Don't miss that. And she is the creator of the Leading Successful Change Program. After tripling her salary in three years to almost 200 She's helped millennial women carve out their own paths in career, leadership, and life, finding the confidence and authenticity to truly earn their worth. And you have serious value, ladies and gentlemen. So Lada has worked with some of Australia's biggest companies on changes impacting over 100,000 people, their operating models, global cultural transformations, and digital transformation. Please welcome to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast, Lada. Yay. How are you? Hey, Nicole. I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this chat. Oh, it's going to be great. And listen, you can find her at www.ladahamilton.com. And let me spell her first name. It's easy. L-A-T-A. Super easy. We're so glad to have you here. And, you know, we know that to build a vibrant culture, we've got to have a vibrant leader at the helm of this thing. So I'm curious. I'm collecting definitions of leadership. What's your definition? It's a really great question, Nicole. And I think really early on um, in my corporate career and like I can't even remember where I heard it from, but um, I heard that leadership is taken, not given. Leadership is taken, not given. And it's kind of always stuck with me because I really think that leadership starts from within. It actually starts from an internal place and having the internal confidence of who you are, what you want, what you bring to the table, the value that you bring, what you want in your life, what you want to be able to do and help and give to others and then what you're worth. And I think that when you have that internal confidence, anybody can show up and be a leader. You don't need to have leader in your title. You don't need to have money at all. You do not need to have direct reports. You can be any type of leader um, just by showing up as the leader that people need. And I think when you have that internal certainty, that internal confidence, and really just that sheer, that sheer energy that you truly want to take people, like you want to inspire and empower people, that's when people follow you. That's when people follow. Mm, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And and you believe that confidence is really one of the linchpin things that leaders need to be able to do and that you help people with. So will you talk a little bit about confidence? How do people build it? How do we get it in place? How do we get a hold of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the funny thing is, is that I was actually a really shy kid. I was super shy. I, um, you know, read a lot and I had, I always had friends, but they were always like, you know, people that I knew really well. Like, I guess you would have called me an introvert. Now, anybody meeting me now would probably say that I'm more of an extrovert, but I'm probably like on the, on the balance of, of the both. I'm probably more of an ambivert. Um, and it was simply because I built that confidence over time through sheer grit and willpower. Like when I was leaving high school, I um, had been, you know, quite shy. I'd, I'd gotten into public speaking, like my teachers had pushed me into public speaking in order to try and 
helped me be that little bit more confident, that little bit more social, but it was a very kind of formulaic way of presenting, of speaking. So I could stand up in front of an entire room, but I couldn't necessarily feel that comfortable kind of going to like a party or or like stepping into a room of people, um, like more in a social setting. So I just decided like when I was leaving high school, like I was like, I want to have more friends. I want to have more experiences. I want to like do more um, and be out in the world more. And so I just made the decision. I'm like, I'm just going to push myself to like go for it and like join clubs and societies at university or college and um, like, you know, just meet people and push myself to talk to people. And it was like, I honestly believe that it was just sheer grit and willpower and just me constantly building that habit to push myself out there and into the world. And then something sort of happened where it sort of started to just become natural and it just started to become a really easy thing to do. And um, I have great ideas. I have great advice for people. People really sort of like would come and trust me, um, whether that's like friends, family, peers at college, um, you know, colleagues, they would, they would feel really comfortable kind of coming and having conversations with me. And I just have a lot of creativity, different approaches to things and a really different way and perspective of looking at things. So it almost became like, if I'm not confident in myself, then like, I'm not going to be able to share that with anybody. I'm not going to be able to share that with the world. I'm not going to be able to help other people improve and grow. So while the confidence kind of probably started through sheer grit and willpower, it's definitely taken on a life of its own. And now it just feels very authentic. It feels, it just feels like, um, like what I was always meant to do. And I think that, you know, like if you have to sometimes put on a brave face or put on a front for a little while and kind of fake it till you make it, um, like I wouldn't discount that. I would say you can absolutely practice the type of person that you want to be build that habit, build that muscle, and then it will like start to become second nature. Like anything in our lives, you can absolutely build it. It's not a quality that somebody is born with or doesn't have. Obviously, some people are more naturally inclined and naturally attuned to it, Um, but it's definitely a skill set that you can build over time by, again, kind of understanding more about yourself, understanding more about the gifts that you bring, understanding more about what you want and what you value and what you want to see in the world, um, and then starting to share that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, part of confidence is faking it till you make it. But when we say fake it, it, there's nothing false underneath it. There's a lot of effort, like you said, and that willingness and that willpower. So uh, really, I think when I think about confidence, everything she said was absolutely spot on. But it's just bringing your energy to the world, right? And the more you bring that energy to the world and people receive it, you're like, oh, wait, I have something of value. (laughs) And so it's so fantastic. So you just have to be brave, put on that brave face that she mentioned. I love that. That's fantastic. So one thing you and I have in common is we both like this word vibrant. We're both vibrant gals. And so um, you have what you call vibrant change management. And so do I. So I am delighted to talk about change management with you. And, you know, first of all, like you said, it, it starts with yourself. And so you've got to change yourself, right? Leaders have to, you know, be a great leader first for people to follow. Um, So let's talk a little bit about vibrant change. Um, So tell me, what makes inspiring change leadership more successful than traditional change management? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, and it's funny, actually, that you say it starts with with you, Nicole, because where the word vibrant really came from for me was I used it on on my resume. I used it on my CV for years. 
it was one of the qualities, one of the words that I used to describe myself because what I would often find was like, yes, I delivered great work. Yes, I, you know, built good relationships, but so often people would be like, it's your energy, it's your presence. It's, it's that, you know, that real kind of vibrancy that you bring to a team, to a project, to a workplace. And so <laughs> because I was using it on my CV, it just was this natural thing then to kind of go, well, if that's how I, if that's what I bring to a job, like as a professional, then that's also what I bring to change management when I'm when I'm leading change. So it was kind of this beautiful, really natural segue where it actually started um, like the, the style and the type of change management that I do actually really started from just the, the, the type of energy that I have and the energy that I bring. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your your audience absolutely knows what change management is. It's definitely a buzzword. And, um, you know, over the last couple of years, it's probably become more well-known um, with all of the challenges of, of COVID and, um, and just organizations having to pivot and change. But I like to define things really simply um, for people and just level set, level set everyone on the, on the same um, playing field. And I love to define things really simply. So, for me, like change management is moving people from doing things in one way to doing things in a new way. And we do that through training, um, sorry, communications, training and business readiness. And we do it in order to realize the benefits of the change. So we don't just want to do it for the fun of it. It's not just about the fluff and the result um, and the like making people feel good. It's also about the results, making sure that we actually get return on investment. And what it is with um, with with change management is that there has sort of in the in the past been this really kind of like traditional way of approaching change because in a lot of organizations, so it can be any kind of change, it could be a new process, a new technology, a new platform, a new application. Um, it can be, you know, digital transformation. It could be a move of a site, a move of an office. It could be a new operating model, restructure, layoffs. Like any kind of organizational change, we can absolutely bring a change management lens in to help people get ready um, for that change. But in the past, um, what I would say is, you know, like change was very structured. Um, there was definitely sort of more of a sort of bouncing ball approach that you would take in order to guide people from the start of the change right through to the end of the change. Um, and it kind of mirrored sort of how we would approach projects, which was very planned. Um, you know, you'd plan it all up front and then you would deliver it and then you would launch it and everybody's happy. But our world is changing so fast. Um, the way that organizations work and operate, the way that they need to pivot so quickly. Like I've worked on projects where like within the space of like, it was meant to sort of just be a few months that I was on this project um, for a really massive organization. And within like the space of two years, the project had grown to like a hundred people and become its own program of work. The solution had changed several times. Like I would like something that I was meant to work on for a couple of months, extended for two years before it was even being launched. So like what I always like to say is like change changes all the time. And because change changes all the time, it's like we can't necessarily just have this really traditional structured approach to change. We can't have this approach where it feels like we're managing people, where it feels like we're managing the change, where we're managing problems. Like all of those things feel very almost like controlling it's almost like we're trying to fit things into a box. We're trying to fit things into a process, um, but that's just not the way that our organizations, our teams, our projects, and even our people kind of work and operate anymore. There's more um, pivoting. There's more flow. There's more feedback. There's more of this ability to 
adjust and iterate along the way, um, regardless of what style of project methodology you use or the way that you're approaching your initiative. And so I think now we're at this stage where we've really got to rethink what change management means, where we've really got to look at what is actually the underlying principle behind change. And the underlying reason why we do change is for the people. We do it to help people get more inspired for the change. We do it in order for them to get confident with the change, in order for them to feel ready for the change and for them to keep doing the change well into the future so that we get those results. So it's like instead of um, where where vibrant change comes from and like why I kind of built this 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 framework of thinking about change, it's not a process. It's just a way of thinking about it. Um, and where it really came from was making inspiration and empowerment the cornerstone of how you start thinking about your change. So rather than thinking about, you know, inspiration and empowerment as the fluff on the top, it's actually the cornerstone of how you start planning your change, how you start delivering your change, how you start leading your change, how you start reflecting on your change and you start from that place. So in vibrant change, the V actually stands for vision. And like you, I'm a coach. I think goal setting, vision setting is one of the most powerful like things that we can do. Like, would you agree, Nicole, like vision setting? I totally would. Absolutely. So like setting an inspiring and empowering vision, helping to bring it to life for people, helping them to understand what it's truly going to mean, but like what the possibility and opportunity of the future could be. So starting from that place means that a lot of the things that we're often trying to manage during change, like the resistance, like the stakeholders, like the lack of capability or the lack of training, like those things that we're trying to manage, it's almost like it doesn't matter how we get there. If we have our vision as our North Star, that's our starting place. It's like that's where that's how we can kind of get to whatever is the right thing to do. Maybe we don't know actually at this point what the right solution is, but if we can reach the vision, it's like, like does it really matter how we get there? So that's kind of like the V. And then like, did you want me to go through what the other aspects well, of Vibrant are? Let me ask a couple questions about yeah. that. Okay, yeah. So you said that the cornerstone is inspiring and empowerment. So before we get too far away from the cornerstone, mm-hmm. um, so what does a leader need to do in terms of like making sure they've got that nailed? What, what does empowering look like or what does inspiring look like? What do leaders need to be doing to get that cornerstone set? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. And I think what you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's like leaders play such an important role in this. Um, Leaders play such an important role because that's who their team looks up to for confidence. That's who their team looks up to for guidance. That's who their team looks up to for the information for the answers. They know that there might be um, conversations that they're not privy to. So they're looking for their leaders to support them. They're looking for their leaders to provide the information at the right times um, and to have their back and to advocate for them. So when you're kind of thinking about that, really inspiration comes from like really painting that really exciting picture of what the future could look like. Because for a lot of people, when they hear the word change, like it's our, you know, it's our internal um, uh 
patterns and our in, like the way that our psychology works that when we hear the word change we really start to get stressed in our body because we're like it, what like we're not going to know what's what what to do we don't know what the we might not know what the answers are we might lose power we might lose um, opportunity we might lose things that we already have and in some cases even lose our jobs um, and we might um, you know not not like we might look silly to other people as well um, so like there's a lot that kind of comes up when change is mentioned so it's starting to move people away like those reactions are normal those reactions are valid but it's starting to move people away from like yes that's what like it feels like right now but here's what the future could look like and it's not going to be easy to get there but with like together we will get there together and 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 we want to include you on the journey and include you on the way so that's kind of like the inspiration yeah and i think some of the skills that you're talking about that leaders need to have is first of all they have to have like serious emotional intelligence right um so i love what you said you said um People are going to um, be worried, concerned, worried if they're going to look foolish, things like that. And so um, that's really the operation of their brain. Their uh, amygdala, which is a little almond-shaped part of their brain, is like fight, flight, deflect, freeze. They don't know what to do. What? Change? Um, So leaders have to have an amazing amount of emotional intelligence to kind of listen to people as they go through that process of uh, moving through their brain from their, uh, you know, their reptilian brain all the way up here to the prefrontal cortex, which is where they can actually start to see how we're going to do it. Um, so I love that you said that. And I think the other skill that you're talking about is, you know, that part about seeing the future is that leaders really need to sit down and I think put pen to paper and write a story. It's five years from today. Here's what our business looks like. Here's what you're doing. Here's how we're acting. Here's the clients we're serving. Here's the great stuff that's happening. Um, and I think sometimes leaders are scared to cast that vision because it's it's not certain. Um, so I think leaders have to have that skill set of being okay with uncertainty, right? Or taking risks, right? And putting on that brave face that you talked about a few minutes ago. All right. I love that. So getting our story straight, um, having the emotional intelligence, doing all of that. So what's the next part? Yeah. And I think something that you, you mentioned though, was the experience. Like that is really where that inspiration comes from, right? Like it's about the experience of people. It's about how you want people to experience being in the workplace, how you want your customers, clients, community to experience you as an organization and as a team. And it's like, when you start from that place, everyone can get behind it. All that stuff around sort of resistance, it's like people, people, that's what people get behind. People don't get behind the solution. They don't get behind the widget. They don't get behind the change in the process. They get behind the experience, the opportunity of the experience that they could like bring for themselves and for the world. Um, so that's really like, I love what you said. Like you're, you're absolutely spot on painting that picture of the future, writing that story, um, and really kind of focusing on the experience of people from that. Um, will absolutely be a very, very powerful vision to start with. So the I in vibrant change is actually impacts. This is very normal for change. We don't want to throw, you know, impacts out the window. We actually do want to understand well, what's this going to mean for people. Um, sometimes though, when you are working on a change, it can take a while to understand what those impacts could be because the solution or the structure or, you know, whatever it is that's being um, proposed might take a little while to get developed and, and built. So um, starting with a vision means you can help keep people warm while you're getting to the point of being able to understand how it's going to impact people, what it's going to mean for 
for people, what's going to change for people. That's all that impacts means. So very normal for for change management to look at impacts. Um, But something that, you know, you even just mentioned yourself, you've got to remember that the leaders are going through this too. Leaders, managers, they're impacted as well. And even if you kind of think that, um, well, they'll just, they'll just take it and they'll just cast, like, you know, cascade it to their teams. Like, of course they're on board. That's not always the case. They're going through the change as well. And I do see that this group is often forgotten. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think that, um, and the change uh, has to be laid out in a way that, that there's time for that communication in between those layers. And oftentimes, uh, to your point earlier about how things have changed in the world and things are faster, uh, it still, I think, is very important for leaders to slow down. Like, I, you know, if I'm the CEO, I got to get my C-suite on board. I can't just assume that they're good to go. Uh, then... From there, we've got to take it down to our vice presidents and then, you know, get the plan to take it all the way to the front line. And really, I think it's also important, too, from impacts is like sometimes you could cross pollinate the change that you're going to do. You could do it the opposite way. You could go right to the front line and say, if we do this, we think it's going to happen. Uh, so I think, you know, really testing it out. There's a um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. I, I, I work with this woman named Pam Boney. She has a model called the Tilt. And um, the thing that she talks about in her change management model, which I love, is she's like, before we ship anything out, and that's how she says it, um, the first thing we have to do is we have to go connect this idea with people. Because don't you think, Lada, that sometimes people on the front line know better the impacts than anybody else? Because we're a little distanced up here in the C-suite. Yeah, we need somebody on the front line to tell us some maybe a place where we have a blind spot. Yeah, you're spot on. And, and, you know, if we think about experience, it's like, well, who are the people that we're serving? Let's just say it's customers, clients, community, maybe it's, um, you know, government or other groups in society. The people who are literally providing that experience like externally. So often when we're thinking about change, we're looking at internal teams, but our external stakeholders are just as important. And you're absolutely right, Nicole, in terms of like the people who know that experience or who who the way that they feel is gonna shape the experience of externals are our frontline teams, are our frontline staff. And and what I like to say is you wanna have that balance in change leadership where it's like, it's leader led, so it is, there is that strategy and that vision and that plan and the, the proposal kind of coming down from the top, the solution coming down from the top. And exactly what you mentioned, like making sure that you're covering all the layers along the way. So there is that like notion of leader led change, which is where a lot of people really, really focus their attention on. I also like to go, and there's also that grassroots bottom up build of frontline teams, of junior team members, of individual contributors, of of the people working in teams and projects. Um, And I think that when we empower them, when we include them in the conversation, when we help, when we give them the opportunity to co-create and co-design the solution and the change and the experience, you've got leader-led top-down, you've got grassroots bottom-up, and I like to say that the magic happens in the middle. The magic is made in the middle and that's where you get really great engagement with change. That's where you start to have a change that actually feels really authentic. That's where you start to have a change that's actually successful because you have, you know, like those senior leaders that can see the bigger macro environment, those senior leaders who can be looking at that five-year vision or that 20-year plan strategy for the business. 
But then you also have the practicality, you have the day-to-day of those frontline teams and you're able to bring it together and the magic happens in the middle. Mm, Fantastic. All right. So we've talked about the vision, the impacts. Tell us about the B. What is the B? Yeah. So the B is build. So with change, you heard me mention, we we look at communications training, um, business readiness, which business readiness means everything that somebody needs in order to be able to do the change successfully and continue to do it into the future. So for like a really easy example of that is, okay, great. We're going to launch a new system. Everybody needs to have system logins, like just like a basic thing. Right. But then it could also be Part of readiness could also be like, okay, everybody needs to have system logins. What happens if they forget their password? (laughs) Like, what's the process for that? How do we make that as smooth and easy as possible? So like, it's really thinking through, how do we make sure that people can keep using it? Um, And then also our support, how we're gonna support the change, how we're going to support people. What are those mechanisms for feedback and measuring success? So we, um, we kind of build that out and like this is where a lot of change work really happens is it's looking at well, what can we do, what are the channels that we can use to engage people, really thinking through like what works for this organisation, what works for this culture. That's really where a lot of the, the change work happens because, you know, there isn't like in the past you might have been able to cookie cut a change, but now we really want a tailored approach. We want to make sure that it's actually right for that organisation. We can't just bombard and blast people with emails every day. We want to go like, what's going to be useful? What's going to be relevant? What's going to be fit for purpose? And that's really what I advocate and teach my students a lot is fit for purpose change management. What's the mo- like? What's going to deliver the most value right now in this moment for this project, for this team, for this leader? And, and like focus on that, focus your efforts and energy on that, even if you have to maybe forego some of the things that you might more traditionally have done in change at that stage. So you want to build out what that change looks like, what that change plan could be. Okay, fantastic. All right. So we're going to uh, have our uh, business readiness in place, right? We're going to build. All right. So tell us about the R. What does the R stand for? So the R is that readiness. It's really that readiness aspect. And I think that it's so important to really to check in and see where the business is at. So readiness is an activity that we do before we're about to do something major in change. It could be before we're about to announce, before we're about to... um, you know, it could be before we're about to to launch, it could be before we're about to close down the project and embed it for the future. So like before, or even before we're about to do training, like we want to make sure that we've got all of our ducks in a row, that everything that we said that we were going to do, we have done, um, or that there's a valid reason why we haven't. And check, is there anything more that we need to do? Is this still the right time to be doing this? Are we missing any key things? We want to actually check against readiness. And for a lot of change management, that those three things, the I, the B and the R, the impacts, the building of the change plan and the readiness, that's really where sort of change gets gets um, a lot of focus and a lot of attention in traditional change management. All right. Fantastic. And then we get to the A. Go with the A. Tell us all about that. Yeah. So you'd probably know, you know, being an executive coach, Nicole, is that like you've actually got to do something you've actually got to take some action. (laughs) Would you agree? I would totally agree. There's nothing going to get done in business if you don't take action. That is for sure. Absolutely. So So the A stands for act. And this is where you actually do the thing. So let's just say you announce you kick off training, you launch, you close like, you know, and, and hand over the project. So like with the A, it's sort of like, you need to actually do something. And you heard me talk a little bit earlier about like the project that I was working on for like two years. 
And like in the space of those two years, like, yeah, there'd been like a little bit of like stuff, but we'd never actually really like probably fully gone out anywhere. And I, I, I just think that there's this level of like, you do, you won't know how people are really going to react. You can think through what the risks might be and what people's reactions might be and how you can manage that um, and mitigate those. You can think those through ahead of time, but it's not until people actually get something in their hands. It's not until they actually find out about the change. It's not until there's actually that, that, that state of action where you will actually know where, how people feel, how people react, how people respond. So ACT is really kind of about just making sure that you actually deliver something. And, and what I would really say is don't do it all behind closed doors for months on end. Start to, start to like give some of that out to the business as you go, even if you don't have all the answers, even if the solution is not fully built, even if you don't know all of the um, things that are going to change and all the things that are going to happen, starting to give a little bit out just gives you that opportunity to start to see how people respond, um, which really leads us into the into the next one, which is the end for notice. So when you notice, it's like about noticing the results that you're getting, noticing the um, reactions that people have, the behaviors, the workarounds. I always say that people are really smart and really savvy. They're like water. If like, if you've ever read like memoirs of a geisha and it's like, you know, water always finds a way. People always find a way. They're very flexible and very savvy. So when you kind of like act, it's really making sure you've got those um, systems and supports in place and that focus to really go, great, now what's happening? What are the, um, as one of my heads of change like to call it, what are the unexpected consequences? What are, what are the um, workarounds that people are coming up with? How are people feeling? How are people reacting? What are the um, concerns and, and resistance and objections that they have that maybe we haven't thought about and we really do need to address? So the notice really comes from, I'm a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, so NLP for short, neuro-linguistic programming, which like I won't go into it in too much detail, but it's the study of excellence in behavior, communications and psychology or our emotions. And that's really what I bring to change management. Like I kind of bring a lot of neuro-linguistic programming tools that you would usually use sort of like one-on-one -on -one with individuals um, or in group settings, but I bring that into organizational change and, and kind of use that to build really unique tools that can help to shift the emotional experience for people and the like, like the that inspiration and then the empowerment for people and that's where um the the end really comes from is the notice because that's what we do in nlp we always want to be noticing the results that we're getting so that we can adjust our approach mm, that's fantastic all right and then finally we have the t Absolutely. So the T is actually something very personal to me. So I've got a Scottish background. My last name is Hamilton. Um, so in Scotland, like um, there are the clans, which are like family groups. Um, and each of the clans has like a tartan, which is like a pattern. And then um, those tartans, there's also like a crest. So like, you know, an emblem for the family, for the clan. Um, and ours for Hamilton is actually an oak tree. Um, and it's got the word through on it. And I like to kind of think of it like through thick and thin, like this kind of like this idea, like we're going to we're going to um, to kind of go through whatever it is that we need to go through. And that's what I would really say is, um, again, more traditional change management it has this concept that's that change starts and ends. 
that there's a starting point and an end point. And I just don't see change being that way anymore in our organizations. I really see it as being um, constant, but not constant in necessarily like, yes, a lot of people feel overwhelmed by the constant bombardment of changes, but it's also like, we've got to remember that whatever we're doing, we're building on the changes that came before and we're paving the way for the changes that are coming down for the, in the future. So having this concept of through really helps to, to make sure that what we're doing isn't just about um, this current change and it's like ignoring everything else that's happening and ignoring anything else that came before, anything that comes after. It's looking at it holistically and it's really helping people to have that embedded experience through the change so that they can continue to successfully do it in the future, but so that other business initiatives and other business objectives and projects are met as well. And then what I would say is even though all of this sounds like a sequential process, it's absolutely not. You can start anywhere in Vibrant Change. It's a framework. It's a way of thinking about the things that we do in change, but you can literally pick up and, and jump in at any point, depending on what's fit for purpose for that change. And so this is where I really love like the idea around inspirational change leadership rather than traditional change management because it's like anybody any leader any individual any person can do any bits and pieces of vibrant change they can pick up any tool they can do any stage of the process um, and be able to get some get, like you know help build some value get some quick wins get some success because you actually don't need to lead up like lead the change or manage the change end to end you just want to focus on what's fit for purpose what's going to add the most value at this time and and it kind of democratizes change it means that change management change management tools change management processes and techniques aren't in the hands of the few change practitioners that have studied change that actually any leader any person in an organization can absolutely start to bring change leadership skills into their own um, work and their own leadership and start to really help the experience for themselves and change the experience of change for themselves and for their teams and their people. Mm, that's fantastic. So everybody, you have been given the download on Vibrance. So uh, we have vision impacts, we have build, we have uh Let's see. Hold on. B R is for readiness, right? Yes. Very good. A, we have to take action. N, we have to notice. And T, we have to do the all the way through. And I love uh, you're talking about your coat of arms. One time, my family, we were at some event and they were having where they would look up your coat of arms. And so we we bought, we found out we had one and we looked it up. It's really fun, right? It's so, super uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and you're like, oh, that is us, you know? So pretty cool stuff. All right, Lada, it's been so great to be with you. And uh, you can find Lada. Will you tell us where we can find you if we want to reach out to you for more information? Yeah, absolutely. You can come follow me on LinkedIn. Um, and I've also got a really fantastic free download. So it's a, um, a free creative launch ideas guide. Um, so you can absolutely come grab that from my website. It's at ladahamilton.com slash launch. And it's got 53 ways to bring your change and transformation to life. That's fantastic. I am so grateful that you have been on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. I wish you the best of luck. If you ever get to America, uh, which I know you will, will you please come look me up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm going to come knocking on your door in Sydney. 
Absolutely. We'd love to have you knock on my door in Sydney and party it up Sydney style. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody, I know you enjoyed this episode. Please go down and press the like button and the subscribe button so that you can get every episode of the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast in your inbox. Thank you so much. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.